0: Up, never give in,
1: the ones who will work are the ones who will, win. Ones who will win. Coaching, how it works and what it takes to be a cool coach and how to find the right one for you with your personal growth success coaches, Cynthia Bryant and Heather Brittany on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, coming right up.
2: The star you are.
1: Hey, have you got a
3: minute? Huh? I'm going to say a word. You tell me what comes to mind. Are you ready? Okay. Tchaikovsky.
4: Gesundheit. Okay, what's the word?
3: No, see, that is the word. What does Tchaikovsky make you think of?
4: I don't know. Allergy season?
3: Uh, hey there, how you doing? What's up? Who's Martha Graham? Mm, She invented the graham cracker. No kidding. Yeah, before her there was only soda crackers. Hard to imagine. Uh, hey young lady? Yeah? Uh, does the name Man Ray mean anything to you?
2: Tuh. The man ray is a kind of
5: poisonous jellyfish, and it lives in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh Aha. It's very deadly.
3: Are your kids as well-rounded as they could be? Kids who participate in the arts do better in school and in life. To learn more about the value of arts education, visit americansforthearts.org, because all kids should get to appreciate Tchaikovsky's music, Martha Graham's dance, and man ray's photography. Art. Ask for more. A public service message brought to you by Americans for the Arts and the Ad Council.
2: You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk.
1: Well, hello, Pal- and welcome to Radio's finest program of positive book talk. Star style, be the star you are. My name is Cynthia Bryan, and I'm Heather Whitney, and we are delighted to be your personal growth success coaches right here on the airwaves every week, bringing you the authors, the experts and the professionals to help you enjoy a more fulfilled life. We are the mother-daughter dynamic duo, the Stella Donna Goddess Gals, and we want you to get ready to pump your energy, love, learn, laugh, listen, and live your dreams through positive media and books because we want you to... Follow your heart and have the champagne for the spirit. This show is brought to you by Be the Star You Are Charity, a nonprofit corporation empowering family, women, and youth at risk through improved literacy. Today's show is going to be a great show, another bang-up one for you, as we're going to be talking about great wines with wine authority Anthony Diaz-Blue in our Segment 2. In Segment 3, the favorite doctor joins us with his newest parenting book, Dr. Bernie Siegel. And in our first segment, Heather and I are going to be discussing the art of coaching and how it can help you for your success. Our purpose, of course, is... To make you understand that you already are the star of your own life, that you are the writer, the producer, the director, and you don't need to be an uh, an extra in anybody else's movie. Just be the star of your own. We have three rules. What are
5: they, Heather? Most definitely. We want you to smile, have fun, and be willing to take that chance to be wild and crazy. And we want you to
1: read some good books. Sometimes they're books you haven't heard of, and sometimes they're ones that are already on your bookshelf. But we want you to get seated down and start learning and start that infotainment for yourself. Well, the Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by the Carmody Collection, handmade handbags for all occasions, lovingly created. Visit www.carmonycollection.com. Or call six one nine two eight six ten ninety nine. And Carmony Collection is spelled with a K, K for Carmony and K for Collection. And this is by Maureen David. And it, the miracle moment is the minute you settle for less than you deserve, you get even less than you settled for. And how true that is, isn't that right, Heather? We have to really reach out and decide what we, it is we want in life because. The world doesn't always give us what we deserve, but what we ask for. So it makes a difference to ask for what we want, learn to say yes to the things that are necessary, and no to the things that are not going to empower us and enrich our lives.
5: Well, Heather, this is going to be your last week with us for a while, I understand. Oh, I know. The year is starting back up again. It's time to go back to school, and I just got a new internship at a radio station which is so exciting, but unfortunately, it is going to take up all my time all throughout the days. I'm going to be at the station, and then at night, I've got to further my college education so that I can be graduated soon, so it's been wonderful. I'm going to try to see... So I can work my schedule to come back and do some tea for two, but at the moment it's going to be. This has been a wonderful experience, but a sign off for a little bit for now.
1: Well, we what we'll do is we will get you back on the air as you know as often as you are able. You'll be here
0: so
5: that we can a party. We like to have party with yeah. you. And if everything if everything goes great, at the internship maybe I'll be on as a guest, and you'll be interviewing me on my. New radio show. Okay, now isn't that a cool thing? There's a good idea.
1: Well, in on another note, though, I, we're not going to leave you high and dry. We're still going to always have a fabulous segment for you. And beginning next week, my co-host will be none other than the best-selling author Libby Gill, who is the author of Traveling Hopefully, and she is a columnist. Um, in Dallas and a speaker around the world. She's fantastic. And so the party will continue. We will party on, even though we're going to miss our Stella donna here. So But, uh, Heather, of course, we wish you all success. And over these last uh, five years, you've just been so awesome. And it's amazing that um, even while you're going to school, you've been able to do the T for Two uh, Mother-Daughter Bruce. So we honor
5: that you have, have done that for us. I mean was what's given us so many great ideas for some of our topics uh, because just as you know you've gone to ex- you know many colleges have earned an, a fantastic degree but as the years go by so is the knowledge and so is our understanding of things and the topics and what's being discussed and you know a history 100 class what it was 20 years ago is not what it is today or the women's studies or just any there's just so many new forms uh, and new majors and education grants so that's why we've come up with so many enthralling and so many you know, sometimes provocative but things that really need to be discussed and it's all because it's being discussed on the campuses as well as in the media
1: yeah exactly exactly and that's what made I think this segment this um, key for two segment so great is that you have produced the segments every week and you usually get your ideas or your topics from things that are being discussed on the campuses so what I love about that is that we can bring the generation into the discussion. We're hearing what the young people are saying about at the university and then what
5: I feel about it in my generation. Of course, and that's why we always say that, you know, we don't have to agree on anything. But in the end, you know, we always save a little room for honey. But because of the changing times and changing years, we have, you know, you may have studied the exact same thing, I did, but the, the way it was taught to you may be completely different, maybe more open-minded, maybe more closed-minded, maybe there's more information or less than So that's why it's, you know, it's, we're... We're bringing together the generation gaps and all that through the show. So hopefully that will be able to continue and hopefully will be back to keep that going as well. Well, you'll be back
1: and you'll just come on, you know, whenever you have an opportunity between classes or between your other radio duties, uh-huh. uh, you can, you can, oh, you're always welcome on Be the Star You Are. You've been a volunteer. Oh, oh, since, you know, <laughs> since its inception. No, you were one of the original teen angels. So you're always welcome back. Well, let's get started with what our topic for today is and it's coach. Because it seems it doesn't matter where you read today or you're talking to somebody, you're all always the words come up that this kind of a coach. Now it used to be when I heard the word coach, you would think of a sports coach, somebody that was coaching basketball or softball. And then, of course, uh, for 25 years, I have been doing acting coaching, and so I always thought of coaching in that way. But in this day and age, we are hearing about coaching for things that, like what Heather and I are doing, personal growth coaching, success coaching, there's media coaching, there's presentation coaching. Uh, there's all kinds of different coaching going on. So in uh, today's segment of our T for Two, we want to talk about what it takes uh, to have a good coach, how it works, and what you really should be looking for if you are going to book with a coach for whatever it is that you
5: need. Exactly. Now, as you move a coach is a person who supports people to achieve their goals with goal setting and encouragement and questions. And as a child growing up, when I heard coaches, I mean, I was surrounded by coaches. But that was, you know, football coaches, soccer coaches, swim coaches. But the term, coach, in a sports sense, there really was no responsibility. You know, I, it was something that was never seen that I heard much more of. However, now as an adult and in today's world, this is a high-paying career being, you know, a quote-unquote life coach. And unlike a counselor or a mentor, a coach rarely offers advice. Instead, a coach helps clients to Help by their own solutions by, you know, creating the questions, kind of the, well, you know, what are your goals kind of sentiment. And the definition of a life coach is a life coach is used by a growing number of psycho um, psychologists, and it's all about self-actualization. And life coaching is not counseling and it's not therapy. And oftentimes it can usually be done by phone. It's more of... You know, almost kind of like sitting down with a best friend, setting out these goals, what you want to achieve, and how you want to get there. And when looking in for coaching, was because when it first when this podcast first came out, I thought, you know, does she mean life coaching? Does she mean sports career? And really, in our everyday life, we all do some form of coaching, isn't it? it's Just really encouraging other people. And there's actually eight different forms of coaching, which are organizational, individual, team. Systematic, business, executive, disassertion, and ontological. Sorry if I pronounce any of these wrong. But uh, organizational is, is coaching forms as an important intervention, uh, more for the individual or the team. Uh, systematic coaching, it focuses on the improving and the effectiveness of Human survival. <laughs> executive coaching focus on the top level of the executives. That's for, you know, maybe the CEO meetings, people at the top there. Dissertion coaching helps graduate students, um, for their PhDs. And something that was really interesting is that all these forms of coaching, and this is, that like, coaching is a career now beyond just a football coach. That so people, look, like, when I just typed in on the internet, you know, you know Good old Google, I put in life coaching. I must have hit five bajillion websites on all, on, you know, how to become a life coach, how to set up, how to write a book on that, how to take classes on it. it again, and in one sense it was really exciting and another was kind of scary that you just like any other thing about getting in the entertainment business or anything, you really want to go off recommendations because as you can see, anyone can just get, become a life coach. Um, over the internet, so I would recommend, you know, if someone, whoever's um, receiving, has, that you receive recommendations, i.e. my mother, Cynthia Bryan, does all form, you know, designing, um, interior design, acting coaching, all this stuff, but with great recommendations, has gone to the school, got the thing, and become more of a muse is what I believe is the best form of coaching.
1: That's, I think, what you're it was very important is that it's a coach can really be a mentor and a muse to whoever needs them. It's like having another side, somebody else to look at something, paraphrase it, put it in another way. Uh, I always say that there are seven ways that we can really achieve some success, and one is when you get a coach. It's not nothing that you do is personal. It's planning your time and your energy and getting a coach helps you look at life in a more meaningful, a balanced, and enriched way. So that way you can really turn your life around or whatever it is that you're looking to turn around. And as you were saying, Heather, it's, uh, if you're writing a book, it's a great thing to get a writing coach. If you're doing a speech and you're not really familiar with it, get a presentation coach. If you're going to be in the entertainment world, get an acting coach or a consultant. doesn't mean you've got to work with them for a long period of time, but just to get you going and on the right path, it's a really good way to go. And sometimes people want to know, what does it take, how do you get going as a coach if you have something to share? And I think it's critical, the first thing is that you really need to be an expert in what you do.
5: Mm-hmm. if you wanted to, to be a coach. That's, that's an interesting term that you brought up. And today, so an expert used to be really almost like a Ph.D. established. You know, I've earned some form of doctrines. Today, and anyone can be an expert in anything. I could be a nail polish expert if I wanted to. Really, and it's become, it's a really accepted now, and I'm excited to say I'm an expert on this, I'm an expert on that. Um, really, just be by honing into your scratch, um, your your craft and your skill on them, but again, that's why I always kind of red flag where you know when people say you know let's just say oh I'm an I'm an expert in motivation you know but really look at you know how motivated is this person are they inspired really what makes this person so special and look for. You know, if this person's going to, you know, kind of reflect on how their life is, because if this person's going to be helping organize your life, you know, you want to see how steadily theirs has come along as well. So always do your research. The biggest thing out there is I'm just so worried. I don't want people to get scammed because as wonderful as our society is, there are so many people that are trying to capitalize on whatever the trend is at the moment and whatever will feed on people's emotions. And now, you know, people are finally coming forward and saying, that are are looking for life coaches, are looking for people to, you know, help them get motivated, help them, you know, find themselves, get out of this rut, you know, get, get on the right track. And people see that, this, you know, this sense of opening up of the vulnerability and so they want to mark in on it. So just make sure you know who you're going to. And, you know, if there's been publications or recommendations, that's just the biggest thing. And what... You know, really, what are these persons' backgrounds to make them so wise and what they're trying to instruct on you? You know, you just hit something that I think
1: is so important, and that is the fact of... What makes them the expert status and the lax uh, the laxness in being considered an expert today? And I think what's happened is, um, although you can get certified as a, a life coach, I mean, there's a lot all these different certification programs. You have to even be careful of those. Who started them and where are they coming from? But the the key is, for example, for example if, if you just look like one, <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly. If you were going to get a writing coach somebody who's going to help you write a book well look at the criteria and the credentials of that person who's coaching have they already written a book did they self-publish did they publish with a with a standard publisher have they become a bestseller do they really know what they're talking about and that's so key because in acting for example in the 25 years that I've been teaching it, one of the things I always tell people, I like people to study with a lot of different coaches. I think it's a very, very good thing to do. However, what happens very often is that people will just kind of hang their board out and say, I'm a coach, and they've never acted in anything, or they were in a high school play. Well, how are they supposed to help you get to your career (laughs) if they don't even know how to act themselves? So you really do you it's very very critical that you take a close look and i for example with acting writing presentation etc i would never work with anybody who didn't have the credentials and that were still in the industry i think that's kind of critical too still working in the industry so that their skills are fresh so let's talk about have their qualifications now, assuming, I'll just use like writing for an example. Assuming that you wanted to be a book coach, uh, the qualifications you'd need, I mean of course you're going to be teaching, you're going to be consulting, you'll be training, you're kind of a cheerleader. I always say being a
5: coach is like being
1: a well, cheerleader. Because, you
5: know, on writing, you'd want, hope, you know, writing in today's site, especially for grammatical senses, you might actually you know it would be best to have someone that is an actual published author. Because that, that gives extreme credential that, you know, that someone, that a publishing company saw their writing and, you know, first someone that saw them bestseller, someone that possibly was a teacher for any writing things who's earned some form of awards or just had a steady background as a journalist,
1: I would exactly. say. Exactly. Well, I think what you're saying is this is what I look at. I think that you need these things. If you're going to become a coach, you have to have the knowledge. Uh, if it was for writing, you need to have written more than one published, commercially viable book. Of high not, quality, Not, a, not a, a senior year high school paper. You exactly. Know, an I think you also need mentoring experience. Uh, do you enjoy mentoring other people? Are you good at teaching? Can you get your message across succinctly and in a timely manner? Can you offer solutions? That's important. Temperament. What's your temperament like? Do you love the book business? Do you love writing? And do you love working with other people? You have to have enthusiasm, you know, a lot of enthusiasm. And I think then the final thing that's very important is honesty. It's absolutely critical that you have integrity and that you have no... A problem telling somebody if you feel that what they're doing isn't going to do them justice, and that you can tweak things and say, "I think it'd be better if you try this," and you give them a lot of options. Well, Heather, let's give out the website for Stella Dona and um, for yourself, and it looks like this is our final farewell for at least a, at least a couple months, probably night not goodbye i will return so that's right it it is just kind of like hasta la vista baby right see you later
5: <laughs> and exactly exactly so we would love for you, you know, to check out any of the four, or five, might, maybe I might be incorrect, of uh, the wonderful books of Cynthia Bryan, donating to the charity, Be This say You Are, the Comedy Collection, helping with this radio show, getting sponsorship, anything you want to know it, it's on there. We've got great links. Go to com. That's S T E L L A D O N N E. Com. Well, and thank you, Heather, for your energy,
1: your enthusiasm, your passion, and always your professionalism. You've been such an asset to our Tea for Two and Mother Daughter Brew. And again, next week you'll be hearing um, Libby Gill. She'll be co-hosting with me, so make sure you're tuned in right here, as we always are. And stay with us, because when we come back, we're going to be talking about God's most wonderful beverage, Wine. You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And this is Star Style. Be the star you are. Stay with us. We've got a lot more to come. Stay tuned.
2: This business of show World Talk Radio. Never give, up, never
1: give in The ones who will work Are the ones who will never win, who will win. You got wine? Well, we do here at Star Style, Be The Star You Are. So grab your glass, because when we return, Wine Authority, Anthony Diaz Blue, returns to Star Style with his 2007 Wine Guide. Stay with us. This is a good one. Be the star you are You are the I'm Mary Hart, and this is AWRT Empowering America. Born in 1897 in Philadelphia, Marion's musical talent was obvious right from the beginning. In 1925, Marion entered a New York Philharmonic voice competition, and she won first prize. She debuted with the Philharmonic a few months later. In 1939, Marion was invited to perform at Constitution Hall. But since the Daughters of the American Revolution owned the hall, they denied Marion's use of it because she was black. Eleanor Roosevelt resigned her membership in protest and arranged a concert for Marion at the Lincoln Memorial. Over 75,000 people attended. In 1955, Marion became the first African-American to join the Metropolitan Opera. In 1991, Contralto Marion Anderson received a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award.
6: Empowering America is brought to you by the Foundation of American Women in Radio and Television and is made possible through the generous support of AT&T, the world's networking
2: company business bites here's cynthia bryan
1: how do you know when a customer is about to do business elsewhere there are obvious warning signs that should not be ignored decreased orders and increased complaints occur when it's already too late companies can avoid customer defection by improving and monitoring performances in the most important areas of customer satisfaction credit billing inquiry issues delivery of goods misinformation and pricing confusion. Eighty percent of your business comes from 20 percent of your customers. It is to your financial advantage to keep these customers happy by communicating with them openly and letting them know that they are very important to you. Ask your customer how you're doing and how you can improve their satisfaction levels. Because you are the star of your own performance, turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan from StarStyle with another Business bite.
2: Listen. The world is talking. World Talk Radio.
1: Look among the stars. Life is bigger than... Well, Be The Star You Are showcases authors and experts who help you expand and enjoy life more. Keep this program broadcasting and bringing you your favorite personalities by making a donation to Be The Star You Are charity. Visit org. Well, you're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style, Be The Star You Are. I am your personal growth success coach. And we are so excited that we have our Wine and Spirits editor of Bon Appetit Magazine. He's a bone. Yvonne of Wine Authority, Anthony Dias Blue joins us again this year with his new edition of the Anthony Dias Blue Pocket Guide to Wine. Welcome back, Andy, to Be the Star You Are.
6: Happy to be here, Cynthia. And How are you? It's always
1: good to talk to you. It's just about a year ago that you were a guest on the show with your last wine guide, and of course we're so thrilled that you'll be talking to us about our favorite a beverage, and we wanted um to i want to start off on talking about glasses, oh, and by the way, congratulations on that very impressive endorsement from Robert Parker. I loved it when the, when he said that your wine guide is indispensable and is required reading for all wine enthusiasts. I would totally agree
6: well, thank you. I'm delighted that Bob felt that way and uh That's
1: great. I know. Isn't it wonderful when you know, well, you are great at this. So uh, I I like this part that you have in your book. You talk about what's the best glass for champagne or sparkling wine or what glass to use. And I know that in our family, it doesn't matter whether we're on a picnic or whatever, bringing the correct glasses is like the big important thing to my husband because he says it alters the taste. And you agree. So talk to us a little bit about the glass.
6: Well, I think that, you know the quality of the glass really has a, has an impact. Probably maybe more than the shape, but the shape is important too. I, and you know I don't like glasses that have that kind of um, f- commercial bead around the rim. You know that's uh, kind of like a, a round bead. I mean the idea is that the glass, the lip of the glass, should be as as s- small and thin as possible because the whole idea is the glass is just a vessel to. Bring the wine to your palate and you want as little interference in that process as you possibly can get. So it's better to have a better glass, uh, that has a very thin lip as opposed to one with a big fat lip on it. And, that, and that's, uh, that's a problem. Um, also I think that, you know, there's certain glasses that are, that are totally outmoded now, particularly the open coupe champagne glass. Uh, which you know people used to use in the '30s, but uh,
1: yeah, the big, the round one, the big. Yeah, uh huh. I, I don't see that at all anymore.
6: Well, and unfortunately, it's still around. Oh, it is. Yeah, <laughs> and you know it doesn't make any sense. You spend a lot of money on champagne or sparkling you can't wine watch because the
1: bubbles. I mean, the bubbles start at the right,
6: bottom and that's, it's flute. the bubbles that, that you're paying for, and and to put them in a glass where all the bubbles escape right away is kind of. Brain dead.
1: Well, you know what's interesting is when I first got married, which is now, you know, 30 years ago, uh, part of our uh, crystal that we got, the champagne flutes were actually rather square. So they weren't flutes at all. They were like these rounded, they were square. It was strange. They were beautiful, but they're totally not okay for champagne.
6: No, well, the square, if they were square, but they still had the, the, the tall chimney. Then they'd be okay.
1: No tall chimney, it, no. and oh, so now well, you just have to see, use the whole
6: idea drink. of uh, you know in in wine glasses in general is that you sh- they should have a a chimney shape so that uh, it can concentrate the the aromas and uh, on a on a champagne glass you know the flute or the tulip shape uh, is definitely the way to go and and also on you know larger glasses are better because you can put a fairly decent two or three ounce pour into a larger glass and it only come up about a third of the way and then that means that the rest of the area is, uh, you know, chimney and it is, it is capturing the aromas and that's adds heightens the enjoyment of the wine.
1: Well, and you know, you just said something that's really important is that the, the whole thing with wine, and this is what I think in, it's great that you have your pocket guide out and you're doing this annually, is that Wine is a food, wine is a beverage that is really meant to be savored and sipped and enjoyed and not gulped down like you were just having a, a soft drink. And it, it appears that more and more people, especially here in America, are having a wine appreciation and are learning how to do wine pairing with food that is much more interesting and um, a little bit different than no just the I mean, red there... you know, with meats and the white with fish.
6: Right. I mean, all those rules, forget about it. You know, I mean, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, there are certain affinities. I think that probably crisp white wines are better with oysters and shellfish and and some things like that. But, um, you know, it's basically up to you, the individual, to pick your own uh, good combinations. And if you like like Chardonnay with steak, you know, go for it. Why not? Um, The thing is that... Uh, those kind of things, rules are really meant to be broken in the case of wine. And, you know, for so many years, people made wine, uh, knowledge a kind of an elitist thing, and that's not where it's at right now. And it's particularly exciting to see how many young people, uh, are spending their evenings in wine bars and in places like that where wine is, uh, you know, tasted and discussed and, and so on. And, you know, what's exciting about What's going on in the wine scene in the United States is that that by next year we will be the largest consumer, the largest wine-consuming nation on, on earth.
1: You know, and this is your um, pocket guide, Anthony Dias Blue's pocket guide to wine, the 2007. 2007- Edition. Although you do talk about wines from around the world, you're really focusing on North American wines. Well, and certainly the
6: emphasis is on North America. Most of the wine guides that have been out there in the past always start off with France, you know, and they and the wine the wines from France are, are wonderful. But France is now in the three spot and dropping to fourth in terms of uh, you know countries that export to the United States. Um, you know, Australia just passed Italy for the first time in the last year and Australia is our number one uh imported wine <clears throat> in America and so i i thought it was it made sense to you know start off with California and then do you know Washington and Oregon and and other american wine producing areas and then um then the what we call the new world which is Australia and uh, New Zealand and Chile and Argentina and South Africa, you know, those are really the, the exciting places where, where great things are happening now.
1: We're really seeing some incredible Chilean wines coming in, it, you know, and it, I mean it's, it is very exciting when you get these wines from different places. Although I'm a huge promoter of California, <laughs> no <laughs> California question, wines but are that, American wines.
6: I think that when you, what you find or what I find is that people uh, in this country have very cosmopolitan tastes in, in wine, and they. And they don't care where the wine came from, as long as it's good. Uh So uh, it's just, um, you know, I'm in the the process of doing wine lists for restaurants, and it used to be that you, you know, you'd separate them. You'd say the French cabernets and the California, and so on. People don't care. They don't really don't care. They just want to have a good bottle of wine at a good price.
1: Well, something that I'm finding very interesting is how much more knowledgeable. Uh, waiters and waitresses in restaurants are becoming with wine. It used to be that you'd have to talk to the sommelier who would tell you a little bit about something and, you know, taste the things. But now it seems that anybody that works in a restaurant environment is getting some kind of train and they're enjoying wine themselves. Nice question. And
6: That's a very important part of, re- of running a good restaurant, uh, is to do the training to make sure that your wait staff has tasted the wines and, you know, I know there are owners who say, well, I don't want to waste the, my good wine on my staff. Uh, you know, It's that, critical, that's,
1: though, to sell the wine. They, of course.
6: That's dumb because uh, they're going to sell twice as much if the person can uh, show some passion about what wine they like and what they think should go with the
4: food.
1: Now, what about, Anthony, people bringing wine into the restaurant? In California, you know, it's a very common thing that you pay a corkage, and if you have a really special bottle of wine that would not, be on the menu. Uh, the wine list at that particular restaurant. Right. You know, it's a custom that you can bring it in. And I know in our case, we always ask the waiter if he would like to have a glass with us or, you know, taste exactly. it or something. But a lot of states don't allow it, and a lot of places that's not okay. Are you seeing that changing at all? Or um, is it
6: getting stricter? Well, or? you know, the, the, there's two issues here. There's the, the states. Now, I mean, I was just uh, this past weekend in Colorado, and it's absolutely verboten. You cannot bring wine into a restaurant. That's it, you know. And you can't in Pennsylvania. You can't in Ohio. Um,
1: you cannot in New York either. Uh, or, no, that's not states. true.
6: I've done it in New York, and and uh, although they, they, you know, then you, the next step is what's the what's the going kind of attitude towards that? And in, in California, more than any other place, uh, bringing wine into a restaurant is is acceptable. And um, it depends. I mean, in some place, there are a couple of restaurants here in Los Angeles that. Um, Will not allow you to bring wine in, but they're very much the exception. Um, there are places that are charging forty dollars $40 for corkage. There are places that charge fifteen. <clears throat> There's also—I uh, don't know if you're familiar with the Houston's chain.
1: No, I'm not. I don't know. Uh,
6: Houston's is a uh, oh, is high-end a restaurant.
1: Uh, is that a ribs restaurant?
6: No, it's a high-end restaurant chain that okay. has that, um, very, very good quality food, and that they have a no-cost no, uh, no cost corkage. In other words, you bring in a bottle of wine there, they'll open it and pour it for you, and they won't charge you.
1: Wow, that's really something. You know, I, we had an interesting experience um, a couple nights ago. We went to a new restaurant in the San Francisco Bay Area, a very modest restaurant. Um, you know, modestly priced, good food, and we brought in a bottle of wine, and it was just a small place, so you didn't expect a big corkage. They opened it, but the corkage was thirty dollars on <laughs> at this little tiny restaurant. Well, you know, sometimes a, a good like rule
6: of thumb is to order one bottle off their list, and then and then say, Do you mind if we open this? And, and right you know in many cases they won't charge you um, by the way there is a there's a there's a Houston's right on uh, the Embarcadero in San Francisco
1: okay and i thought that you said that's the one i was thinking of because there is a i've been to this one in San Francisco but i thought it had it had ribs you know i mean it was a really good restaurant but it had like
0: i don't know oh yeah they have
6: ribs and they okay. have burgers but they've also got you know wonderful grilled fish and so on but i want to make this a commercial for Houston's. But
0: right, <laughs> right. At any rate.
1: Uh... Well, I want to talk about um, now that you're doing, you are actually writing some of the wine lists, et cetera, what are you finding that the public is looking for more than maybe that's happened in past years. Like I'm still a big Zinfandel lover. I really enjoy Zinfandel. I like the full body, the richness, you know, the spiciness, and I don't care what it's with. I just I like to pair it with just about anything. And in whites, I love Sauvignon Blanc because Blancs because it just seems a little lighter right. and crisper and fun. I think that fun. that's
6: uh, very much. That's very much in the trend. I think that the, you know, Chardonnay is still the biggest, um, variety, and people like Chardonnay, And I'm happy to see that some of the California Chardonnays are beginning to be crisper and less woody, uh, because I have not been a big fan of California Chardonnays for a while, but, um, you know, obviously, Pinot Noir is really hot right now, and um, it's good because it's a very much of an all-purpose grape. Pinot goes well with seafood, and it goes well with meat. You know, it's just a great variety. And um,
1: I think the movie Sideways helped. Sideways Merlot had a big... really... Had a
6: lot of impact.
1: And it had a terrible impact on Merlot. I was just in Santa Barbara. Well, Mar- actually,
6: County. Merlot hasn't oh. suffered that much.
1: <laughs> Listen, we have Michael Fox on the phone right now, and he has a question with you and for you, and we just wanted to talk to you. Hey, Michael, thanks for coming on. Be the star you are. Anthony's here.
3: Hey, Cindy. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? I'm doing
0: great.
3: Hi, Michael. I just thought I'd make a comment about those old champagne glasses. Don't throw them away because they're great for margaritas. Well, they're great for margaritas, and they're also
6: great for serving ice cream.
3: <laughs> I have a question on Washington wines, you know, the values between Napa, Sonoma, and what's going on up there. And are you familiar with Woodhouse Vineyards?
6: Oh, yeah, Definitely. I think that you know what, what's coming out of Washington. You know, as as time goes on, every region kind of discovers what it does best. And um, you know, we were just talking about Merlot. I think the best Merlots made in America come from Washington State. Uh, they're very, very balanced, and they're good and crisp, and they have excellent structure, and they're not you know kind of flabby like some can be, uh, particularly from that Walla Walla area. And uh, you know, Syrah is now starting to. Uh, Have major inroads in Washington, and also Riesling is just sensational from Washington State.
3: How about the values between what's going on up there? The values are good. I mean, I don't think that they're
6: you know it's not. uh, I don't think that they ever were set up to do to do value wine. Although certain wineries like Columbia Crest uh, are you know very very reasonable in price, but uh, you know the values are okay.
1: Uh, what do you mean, Andy, when you say flabby? That the Merlot was flabby. What is that, what is that actually? That means it doesn't have
6: enough acid structure. I mean, I think that every wine needs to hang on a, on a, on the bones of an acid structure, you know, that, that, that kind of picks up the, the entire package. And if it doesn't, it's just flabby. It just doesn't have any, uh, you know, it just feels, it falls apart in the mouth.
1: So, um, uh, Michael, what, do you have a favorite wine that you're really enjoying right now? I know you're a big red lover.
3: Oh, there's so many wines I enjoy. But you like Zinfandel, and Turley is, continues to be my favorite.
6: Yeah, even at the 18% alcohol, right?
3: I just opened a 94 Hain Vineyard the other night for New Year's. It was 12 years old, and it was the best wine of the evening on top of some real star wines that we had. But uh, anyway, just for fun. Great. Well, I just wanted to say hello and, uh, thanks very much, Andy. I enjoy reading whenever you write and, um, you guys enjoy yourselves. Thanks, uh, Michael.
1: Michael, thank you for calling in. Always great to talk to you and it's great to talk to a fellow, a fellow wine lover. Uh, you were talking, Andy, about the Syrahs or shiraz, you know, that are really kind of picking up now, because a few years ago, nobody was really talking about them that much, although 30 years ago, you know, my dad, we had Petit Syrah that was... uh, Yeah, that's
6: totally different.
1: And it was a totally different wine. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's a different grape. But the Shiraz was coming out of Australia, and then we were calling it Syrah here, but it's pretty much the same thing.
6: Yeah, it is the same thing.
1: Except for growing at different places, right?
6: Yeah. I mean, the the terms are interchangeable. But... um, you know, it's, a, it's originally, it's a French grape that came from the Rhone Valley, and uh, it makes absolutely spectacular wines there, you know, in the Cote Roti and Hermitage areas and so on. And um, it's done very well in the U.S. and exceedingly well in, in Australia. It's by, it's by far and away their most successful red wine, uh, much better than Cabernet and so on in that area.
1: Well, I think we're getting more, definitely learning more about it now. And all of you can learn more about wine here in America as well as in other parts of the world and in the New World coming up with Anthony Dias Blue's Pocket Guide to Wine 2007. Anthony, would you give out your website so people can find out more? where you're Absolutely.
6: You can- it's uh, bluelifestyle.com. Yeah
1: bluelifestyle.com well Andy it's always a treat to have you on, I'm going to tip my glass again and salute to you, thank you so much for being a guest and we'll be looking forward to next year's wine guide great, (laughs) you've been listening to Anthony Dias Blue, his book Pocket Guide to Wine and you can go um, to his website to find out more information of where you can meet him in person stay with us because the Doctor is making house calls. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style, Be The Star You Are. Thanks, Anthony. We'll talk to you soon.
2: This business of show business is calling out to me. World Talk Radio. World Talk
1: And magic and miracles coming right up with America's favorite doctor, Dr. Bernie Siegel on Star Style. Be the star you are. Stay with us.
2: Looking for answers to those uncommon questions? Looking for a way to heal? Looking for spiritual guidance? Come visit www.angelstoguideyou.com We are all blessed with spiritual helpers, spiritual gifts, and spiritual healing. Get in touch with your spirit. Get answers. Get healing. www.angelstoguideyou.com Remember, you're not alone. Angels2guideyou.com. You are listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Well,
1: welcome back. You are listening to Cynthia Bryan. I am your personal growth success coach, right here on Star Style. Be the star you are, and every week, Be the star you are brings you the experts, the authors. And the authorities who can just enhance your life and give you some tools for living, Be The Star You Are is a 501c3 charity dedicated to empowering families, women, and youth at risk through positive media and improved literacy. So visit org for more information and also get involved. Make a contribution today. Keep us on the air. Well... With every book he publishes, he has been a guest on our program and our new his newest book is called Love, Magic and Mud Pie. For the past 14 years, I have been the chosen daughter of this incredible man and to thousands of people around the world. He's known as a CD or chosen daddy. He is taking us into the world of parenting, and, of course, he's an expert on it. He has five kids and several grandkids, and I love this healer so much, and I'm proud to call him my friend. Welcome back to Star Style, Be The Star You Are, you best-selling Person, you. How are you, 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 know,
4: <laughs> you and I agree with each other. That's why we get along.
1: Maybe that's it. Yes, <laughs> we, we really have a good time whenever we are together. You know, humor, Bernie, has always been your important tool for both your medical practice and in parenting. And I mean, I whenever I think about you, I always think of you writing the signs that say "wet floor" and then yeah. you wet the floor, or "right here" and then you write the word "here." Talk to us about the importance of humor in raising children.
4: Well, it you know, one of my lines that immediately pops into my head, when our five kids were driving me, you know, to an extreme, I would come up to them and say, do you know why your mother and I will never get a divorce? And they'd look up and say, why not? And I'd say, because neither one of us wants the children. (laughs) And, you know, they would know that was the signal, daddy's reached, you know, His his limit. And, you know, but, and and again, one day when they were all fighting, I I yelled at them, you can choose peace or you can choose conflict. And our daughter, who has some hearing impairment, said, I'll have pizza. (laughs) And, you know, and then the fight stops and everybody's laughing. And, And that's the part I've learned that if you keep the child in, you know, you alive as an adult, that you get through the tough times. And I've always said, you know, you build your life out of the bricks of love, but what holds it together, what's the mortar, the humor, and the laughter? Because that gets you through the toughest times. And, uh, and again, it's not making fun of anyone, but, you know, as you were describing the crazy things I do, uh, it's like embarrassing your children by your behavior so Literally, I mean, I've been thanked by two of our kids for being rather, you know, eccentric in public. And I said, why are you thanking me? And they said they did something crazy at school, and they heard the teacher say, well, you know who his father is. So they were not criticized because I'm their father, so it's sort of hopeless, you know. And they laughed and, and, you know, were able to do things and not be... You know, punished because look who his father is. So, you know, they learned to be thankful that they didn't have a normal father.
1: Well, and I'm sure that they're parenting their children in that same way. And another thing that you use...
4: Well, let me say this, because I just did this this, uh, last week. We have five children, you know, plus my wife and I. And I said each one of us is to send everybody in the family a humorous email. So my wife and I have the weekend, and then in order of their birth, from Monday to Friday, they're supposed to do that. And, you know, why? Because, you know, you get all these things that make you laugh, and I thought, why don't we do this to each other? So you have to think of something humorous that happens in the family or, you know, or another email that you get, but you keep the smiles going.
1: Well, and that's—I think—that is so critical—is that by laughing at yourself, you're you're teaching your children and you're teaching others not to take yourself so seriously. And you have dealt with people with life-threatening illnesses, right. uh, and because you're a surgeon, and one of your chapters in your book talks about behave like a survivor, and that to me was very important because surviving parenthood is very trying. You feel like you're going to be exhausted for the rest of your
0: life.
4: You know, part of, a matter of fact, I was out shopping today talking to some people because I gave a free book to this place where I shop, and the guy was talking about it, and I started talking to the lady next to me. But I was saying to her that the reason I wrote it is because of how I see the effects of parenting on those who have serious illnesses. In other words, if you grow up being loved by your parents, you are far less likely to have a major illness by midlife as someone who says, My parents didn't love me. And if you said, Why is that? It's not about your genes, but it's about how you care for yourself. You know, your addictions, your exercising, your diet, all these things. If you don't feel loved, You search for good feelings in many destructive ways. And those who feel loved care for themselves because they grew up with self-worth and esteem. And that's the part, you know, and yet we don't license. Because I was saying that to run the food store, you have to have a license to meet certain, you know, legal requirements. But if you want to be a parent, you don't have to. No, a damn thing.
1: Isn't that the travesty? I mean, we think about that. You know, you, don't, you need a driver's license, you need a gun license, right. you need a fishing license, but you can give birth to a child, which is the most precious gift in the world, that could run the future, and you don't have to do anything but right. procreate.
4: And the insurance company doesn't do. say, if we're going to pay for your you know, birth costs in the hospital, you have to attend a parenting class when you come out. You know, they send you to a birthing class, but nobody sends you to a parenting class. And believe me, if we had group therapy with parents, we would listen to each other, know the wounds, know what to expect, learn ways to deal with it in a healthy way. Because one of the keys, because I was reading something by psychiatrist Carl Menninger, who was a friend of mine many years ago, and he was saying that the problem with life is aggression and that if you turn it into work or play then it becomes productive. You know, well, I mean, he was saying, and I had to laugh when I was reading this paragraph, if your kid is running around the house yelling, I'm going to cut my brother's head off, you say, hey, we're going to turn you into a brain surgeon. You see, (laughs) then suddenly the aggression, yeah, he's cutting people up, but he's curing them. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, or you become a football player and you bang, you know, heads but you're not out there destroying people, and that's really what the world is doing to itself right now. I mean, if you look at our planet, we're committing suicide, you know? Oh, and the
1: apathy, the apathy that's taking over our planet, and just, you know, I mean, it's like we're not only suicide, I mean, we're just killing each other. I mean, there's no I mean, we're
4: physically, but if you think of global warming and other things, we could end life if we keep doing certain things, polluting, warming, Wars, I mean, we can literally end life. And again, if you grew up with love, that's not what you're gonna let happen. You see, because, uh, you're gonna change your attitude towards the world.
1: Well, this book, the name of your newest book here is called Love, Magic, and Mud Pies, Raising Your Kids to Feel Loved, Be Kind, and Make a Difference. And your debut book back in 1986 Mm -hmm. that really changed um, the thought process on healing for so many people was called Love, Medicine, and Miracles. And uh, I think that what you've said in every book that you've ever uh, written is to embrace the ugly duckling within and acknowledge who you are and have fun in life. Laugh at yourself, play, and like you're seeing in this, well, one, make you know, more it, mud it, pies. It's,
4: it's wonderful you use that term because I was born an ugly duckling. I didn't learn this till I was an adult. I mean, literally, the story was never told or talked about. And then I read the story, of The Ugly Duckling, and realized what he went through. To find his own self-worth and esteem, which is something most people would never do. You know, if you feel like an ugly duckling, you don't look in the mirror and say, Hey, I'm a swan. Right. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah, you feel Um, like you don't fit in. But
4: what I had was a grandmother. Because when I said to my mother, when she started telling me about her illness and birth problems and what I looked like when I finally came out of her after many days of labor, because she couldn't survive a cesarean section... So they finally, she said, handed her a purple melon, not a child. And they said, you know, my parents said to me, we wrapped you up, put you in a covered carriage, and hid you behind the house. And I said, then how come I'm not a drug addict or an alcoholic? I mean, you're not, you know, you're hiding me, not touching me. And the answer was, I had a grandmother. And she had no problem dealing with the ugly duckling and loving it and massaging it. And, you know, when I heard that story, then I ran to the family album And sure enough, there's my mother smiling over a covered carriage. You know, my, you see, when you look through it as a kid, you think. You don't have the
1: baby pictures that you talk about carrying around.
4: Yeah. You think about, well, it must have been raining or cold, so they covered, you know, the carriage. But they were covering the carriage to... Not upset neighbors.
0: Uh, else. Yeah, but, but you know you
1: see, how freeing that is—that you learn that story right. and that you were able, because of the love of your grandmother, turn that story into a positive to share with other people to say, mm-hmm. "Look at, hey, I was an ugly duckling. Who cares if we're all ugly ducklings? Because it's not really how we started off; it's what we end up."
4: Yeah, and it's in the eyes of the beholder. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure I put this sentence in a book as a true story: a teenager had to live at her grandmother's house, and the grandmother didn't have any mirrors. So the young lady said to her grandmother, how do I know how I look going to school? And she said, look in my eyes, and you'll see how beautiful you are. Boom. You see? So when you see that beauty in your parents, or one thing that I learned that I tell people, say nice things about your kids when they're not in the room. And people say to me, how's that going to help? I say, because that's when they'll believe you. They're in another room. They hear you say something, and they think, gee, he must mean it because he's not saying it to make me feel better. He's telling other people. And that happened to me, and that's why I realized it. I told my father I was leaving the house, and I didn't go out because I had to do some things in in another room before I left. And I heard him telling people how nice I was and how bright I was.
1: Well, and then you lived up to that.
4: Yeah, I was going to be, and I thought, holy smokes. He really means that. He means that. Well, you know, bored. you have
1: another great idea that you you have in your book, Love, Magic, and Mud Pies, and that is write notes uh, to yeah. each other. You know, if you're a husband and wife or whoever, your partners, write a note saying how wonderful your children are and leave them around so the kids get to read them.
4: Yeah, my wife used to put that in the lunch pail, you know, when I would take lunch to work. and um, And when I travel and we're not together, she slips notes in. Just love notes, and it's you know I believe me, I have a collection of them because it meant so much to me, and uh, those are the things, just these little things that people carry with them, and I see it with our children who you know if you talk to them on the phone, they're adults now, they still finish the conversation with "I love you," and I'm not even sure they know they're saying it, but it's it's a reflex, you know, they know they're loved and feel loved. And if I ever make a mistake in an email and say, love, dad, and don't put dad in the next sentence, they say to me, hey, are you loving yourself or telling us to love you? you know? <laughs> so, again, the humor, the love, but it's, it's there for us to heal with. And let me just say something about the title. I mean, the love we've talked about, the magic... You know, there are little stories, and at the end it says how to make the magic. Again, it's the practical things we're talking about. And to me, the mud pies, as I was saying, you know, with aggression, yeah, you can, you know, make a, a fistful of mud and throw it at somebody, or you can make a castle out of it. And so the choices are what do I do with that energy, and how do I focus it in a way that will make it a better family and a better world?
1: Well, and you give some tips on how to make the magic, and number one is to be there. Show up. Be there for your kids, and that is just so critical, and take your kids to work. No matter where you work, take them with you.
4: Oh, yeah. Every one of our kids has been in the operating room to see what I was doing, to know, in a sense, the pain I was experiencing as a physician, all the emotional issues, as well as you know the respect I would have and how I help people.
1: Well, and I think the one tip, and there's many other tips you have, but the one that I live by, and I use this all the time, and that is this too shall pass. Yes. No matter how tough it gets, this too shall pass. And if we can remember that, we can really live a happy life and be good parents. Well, I want to um, send people to your website because you now have a different website. You do Well, have we have two of them, e-pack. but to
4: make it easy, if they remember, Bernie Siegel, S-I-E-G-E-L, M-D., uh, dot .com they can go there and then we also have the exceptional cancer patients website they can click and jump to
1: that and I think we'll send them to BernieSiegelMD.com because from there you can get to the eCAP website and it has on that site you can have all of Bernie's books you can see his tapes you can see where appearances all of that well Bernie it's always so great my big daddy my chosen daddy and you are so many people's chosen daddy but I really appreciate uh, your time coming on the show and all that you do to keep people laughing and smiling and that is key and you're loving those animals. So go
4: and
1: get a copy of this book, Love, Magic, and Mud Pies, by Dr. Bernie Siegel. His website, berniesiegelmd.com. Well, Big Daddy, you're fabulous. Thanks for being a guest on Star Style. All
4: right. We'll talk to you again
1: soon. We'll we'll be talking soon. We'll play more together. You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you for being great guests. For more information about the charity, visit www.BeTheStarYouAre.org And for more information about Star Style, -style Star-Style.com Until we celebrate, next week, go out into the world, take a look in the mirror, admire yourself. You are a wonder of creation. Celebrate the moment. You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan. Ciao for now, and Be The Star You Are. Until next week.
2: Be the star you are. Show sure the whole wide world smile. Be the lucky star. You.
1: away from the man hailed as the most eligible bachelor on the planet, and she turned down two more gentlemen on the TV series, The Bachelorette. Jen Schaft wants you to know, it's better to be single than sorry. She'll be with Cynthia Bryan coming right up on Star Style. Be the star you are.
2: Trust in your heart. Believe in your voice you make the change when you make the choice dream up your destiny Looking for answers to those uncommon questions? Looking for a way to heal? Looking for spiritual guidance? Come visit wwwangels 2 We are all blessed with spiritual helpers, spiritual gifts and spiritual healing. Get in touch with your spirit, get answers, get healing. wwwangels 2 Remember, you're not alone. angels2guideyou.com business bites here's cynthia bryan
1: how do you beat business burnout well working in any industry is tough it's long hours there's stress there's run-ins with murphy's law and it can make anyone a candidate for burnout burnout can result in serious emotional and physical problems as well as a decline in profits here are a few tips for beating the burnout blues identify the symptoms that are affecting your performance do the most important things first. Stop talking and start listening. Exercise. Catch people doing something right. Take a break. Better yet, take a vacation. Help someone else to succeed. Vent your frustrations. Reevaluate what's important in life. Breathe deeply and laugh more. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan from Star Style with another Business bite.
2: You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk.
1: Well, every week, Be The Star You Are showcases incredible authors and experts to enhance and inspire your life. Be The Star You Are is a 501c3 charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth at risk through literacy and positive media programming, such as this radio show. Please get involved, make a contribution, keep us on the air. Go to www.bthestarur.org. BeTheStarYouAre.org. Thanks for helping all of us. Well, reality TV shows have been all the rage at the moment, and our next guest has starred in two of them, both The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. She is a summa cum laude graduate of Ohio University, and her book is called Better Single Than Sorry. Let's welcome Jen
0: Chef. Hello, Jen. Welcome to Be the Star You Are. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I am
1: excited to meet you. And I, as I was talking uh, to your publicist, I said how sad it is that we need need a book to be written uh, to be about the joys of being single. And I think it was important that you write this because you have a very powerful message to all women. And it seems the number one message is to love yourself and never settle for second best.
0: That is correct. And I think it, it is sad that there has to be a book written, but there's a book written for everything else in the world. And I think so many, and there's so many books out there need to date, and how they need to change themselves to meet a man, and I think it was really important for somebody to say, hey, you know what, it's okay to be single, and it's okay to work for a right person.
1: Well, you know, and I'm glad that it was you, because here it is, is that you, you know, you became famous uh, by being on The Bachelor, and you literally walked away from uh, Andrew Firestone, who everyone said, oh my God, he's like the best pick Perfect of your man. life. Right. But the bottom line is he's probably, he could be a wonderful guy, but he wasn't right for you. So right. we can't just settle for something that isn't right for us. And then you got picked up again. You went back on The Bachelorette, but you didn't walk away with anyone. And that shows me that, you know, you have confidence in who you are. And you're, it's better to have a good time
0: with your girlfriends and yourself. Yep. yep. It's so, so true. And I, last night I ran into someone, but they were like, my husband, or my wife and I were watching the show, and after you didn't pick anyone on the Bachelorette, we were like, what's this girl looking for? And I'm like, oh, well, not, I'm not looking for anything different than anyone else's, I'm just looking to find the right person for me, and because he wasn't in the my pool of 25, doesn't mean that person's not out there, and I'm looking for too much. And I think that's what we sometimes, as all women, sometimes fall into the trap of thinking, oh, my God, something must be wrong with me. If, If this guy fits all of my, you know... Punchbook items, and and if I don't like him, if I'm not feeling it, it must be something that's my fault, and that's just not the case. Yeah, and and you know, I think that it's um,
1: there are so many taboos from our parents' generation or grandparents' generations. I know in my family, everybody, the women were all married by nineteen, and if you weren't married by nineteen, you were an old maid or you were a yep. sister, which are isn't that a terrible, those are you terrible names. Debbie
0: called, mom, you know, she got married when she was twenty-four, and it was just like. I'm like, I get better at it. You're going to be this, this old maid at mm-hmm. 24. It's, like, it's so young, and I just think it's so hard to. I mean, I didn't know. I'm 30 years old right now, but I didn't know what I wanted when I was 24. I didn't even know how I wanted. To do it. Well, and you're going to live a very long life, so it's better
1: that the person that you end up with, that you share common goals, that you share same passions, that your values, the fun times, that it's somebody that you truly connect with. And what I liked about your book is that you have a great sense of humor and you really get to the bottom line, and you actually use that terminology in the chapters, is the bottom line of the chapters, is so that you're giving tips from your own life and that of, of friends um, that you've met, both married, not married, divorced, because obviously the divorce rate is very high these days. So why get married if it's not the right person?
0: Did I lose you, Jen? You lost me, but I'm back. Oh, you're back.
1: Okay, good, good, good. So uh, the whole idea that I was uh, saying is that there's no point in getting married when it isn't the right person because finding happiness, uh, you can find happiness in your work, in your play, and I loved it. Like you say, you love to come home and put on your sweats, and it doesn't matter if you have, you know, face cream on or your
0: hair up. You can be yourself, and you're not having to please anybody else. Right, right, and I think that it's really important for all women to experience that at least at some point in their lives because I think oftentimes women stay in relationships for too long because they're so afraid of being alone and they don't believe truly that they can take care of themselves. And so if you, you know, if you do get to spend some time alone as an adult woman, you get to see, oh my gosh, I can take care of myself and, Look at how great this is, and I'm certainly not going to you know, settle for someone who's not quite right, because why give this up if it's not the right person? Oh, I am
1: with you. I know that when I got married, I had um, a banner on the altar, and I still, it's a motto I live with, and anybody I coach, I say, this is what, you really need this motto, and it is, Together We Are Three. You, me, and we. In other words, yes. none of this BS about we're becoming one and we fulfill each other 100%. It's we're, we're each our individual because that's what attracted us to each other, is our own individual. In life, exactly. But then together we create this new persona uh, that is enjoyable and passionate, et cetera. And so I'm, I agree with you. I,
0: I don't think that when we just meld together, you know, that that's the way right. it's going to be. And I don't be. think that we need to complete each other. We just, like you said, we become another entity there is you know it's the relationship and then it's still two individual people no one can. you have to be happy with yourself and who you are and you can't wait for someone else to make you happy or validate who you are or complete you i mean it's i just you know I, i hate when women think that their lives just aren't aren't complete or aren't unsatisfactory because they're not with someone because you can't look for someone else to validate who you are so what's
1: happening with you today? Because one of your chapters that I, and I, I mean, I love them all, but you're not picky, you just know what you want. Uh, have you ever sat down to really figure out what is it that you're really looking for? I have. I really have. And because of this
0: book, but I really want someone who is down to earth, who has a good sense of humor. I go out with great men. I mean, my family is a, a very funny family. So if somebody doesn't, if they're really nice and, a really, like, sweet, down-to-earth man, that's one thing, but I also need someone who's going to make me laugh because that's just... That's huge. Know,
1: that's that's huge. Because we if live we in have... a really tough society today, and there's not a lot of laughter, and we need to laugh more if
0: we if we want to enjoy life. Exactly. And I I also need someone who, you know, I feel like I'm a very driven person, but I can also balance my personal life with my work life. So it's very, you know, I've dated a lot of men who are very type A and are very, very successful, but... It's hard for them to. It's hard to get them to focus on anything but themselves and their jobs and, and their lives.
1: And so, there's also
5: the
0: thing too, and you talk about this is sometimes when
1: you're as um, successful as you are, and you're driven and you're ambitious, you know. And for for men, that's always a trait that everybody looks at, and people overlook it for women that we like that too. We want to go places and be things that many men are
0: threatened by that. Right, and it is tough. It is hard to find men that don't. They, you know, a lot of times men want to be the, you know, the winner and the one who stands out in the relationship. But I just don't want to be someone's wife. I want to be, I want to have a husband and I also want to have my own. You identity. want to you want to be a participant in
1: life, not Absolutely. just you know cooking right. and cleaning and baby making, right?
0: Right, right, <laughs> that's right. You know, um, I, one of the
1: chapters is you say, "Tell your parents." I forget how what is the exact. It's like <laughs> blip, de blip, de blip. You know, <laughs> like, and
0: I think and that is really was a playing. truism.
1: Is so often our parents try to convince us, and all the guys that my parents always adored and said, "Oh my God, he's so
0: great. You should go out with him." I was like, "Mom, you don't." know him. He's, like, really jerky. <laughs> right, right. Right. Like they have this idea of what they like in their head, and they might be right that this is a great guy, but they're not you. They don't have to be in the relationship. They don't have to spend, you know, every day with this person. And oh then, God. you know, these are the same parents that pressure us to get married, and then when we get divorced, they're like, what happened? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, there's very mixed messages, and ultimately, we can't, necess- we can't change... Our parents, we can't change what our friends say, but we can change how we react to it and think, you know what, I can't let them get to me because they're not me. I know what I'm looking for, and I need to not be so concerned with what everyone else has to say about it.
1: Well, in your epilogue, you you write that uh, you originally were going to title it, Good Things Come to Those Who Wait, because you thought you you were in a relationship, I believe, at the time, and you thought, okay, this is the one that lasts forever, and um, it didn't. And so the great thing was is that you talk about, hey, I'm thankful I'm still single because I am having a great time. I was able to write about it. I'm able to meet lots of women and talk to them about it. I've got a great job, and I'm really and truly living by the book's message.
0: I really, really truly am. And I think it took me a while to come to these realizations. I think I always knew it, but I feel like I'm actually living it and just knowing that I haven't settled. And, you know, every time I go through a breakup or a couple dates that don't work out, you know, I used to get so discouraged and think, Oh my God, I'm never going to meet anyone. But really what it's taught me is I always do meet someone. Yeah. There's there's so many, but I can, you know, it's never going to be as if I'm never going to meet someone because eventually it's going to work. Well, and I also think that the person that you want, even though you don't know who it is, is looking for you,
1: and it's just not the right time or the right circumstances. And instead of pining over what could right. be, enjoy the moment. And that's enjoy what your, that's what your book is about. You don't want women to have any regret. The book is called Better Single Than Sorry, and, and it's a no regrets guide to loving yourself and never settling. And I think loving yourself is now, I wanted to take just a couple minutes to ask you what it was like to be on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I know you get these questions on every single show you do, but, of course, the listeners love to know. Of course. <laughs> and, and so was it was it fun for you? Was it heartbreaking? Was it difficult? When I've when I watched The Bachelor or Bachelorette, I just think, oh, my God, you know, first of all, how can you even act like you're attracted to those people, all of them? How can right. you kind of get like kind of intimate with them? And then the last thing is, oh, it's so hard not to give everybody a rose.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's first of all, the bachelor, I enjoyed the bachelor, the bachelor experience so much more because I did truly care about Andrew and and I felt that he cared about me, and in the end, I was the girl chosen. So had he not chosen me, maybe my answer would have been different. Been different but, I loved but, that yeah, but it was very obvious. You guys seemed like you really hit it off. And, and you know, hey, it lasted a good long time, and what yes. more can you want, you right. know? And it really was a true, genuine, you know, it didn't last, but it was a genuine relationship, and we had genuine feelings for each other. When I did the bachelorette, it was just, you know, it, it was the show, like the weight of the show, show was falling on my shoulders, and I really wasn't feeling ready. You know, a connection or attraction or any sort of you know, real chemistry with any of the men, and I just didn't know what I was going to do.
1: What's the time frame that they shoot one of those, you know, a whole season in? Is it just a couple of
0: weeks? It's six weeks. Six weeks. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's not any time at all to fall in love, is it? No, no. And, And even with Andrew, I knew that I wanted to be with him after the show and see where it may lead. But we both agreed, okay, we're not planning... To get married. We're not planning a wedding right now. We right. both know that we want to see where this relationship, you know, may take us, but we're not, you know, as soon as the show, we're not going to go call, you know, the venue and, and get a band and, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. But, so well, the bachelorette was more stressful then? The Are bachelorette you in the, was much more stressful because I just didn't, I knew that it wasn't going to lead me anywhere and I just, with the guy. Yeah. And I just knew how was I supposed to, how was I going to, get through that you know what is it like living in a house or wherever
1: they put you with all the other women or all the other I mean I think that would be difficult because some of those people like on The Bachelor they're so catty the men don't seem to be catty but
0: the women are catty well, and I think the oh, was that not, was that all editing? Was it, was it really was not It really editing, and like... that's, you know, certain girls just getting, you know, really insecure. But most of the girls were really, those are just the ones that didn't get a lot of airtime. Mm-hmm. Because they're the normal ones. Yeah, nobody wants to watch the normal ones. Have you um, got friends with any of them, Jen? I, I became really great friends with some of them. Um, and Michelle was on my show I still talk to her every once in a while, and this, not Tina Fabulous, who I used to talk to. I don't remember, know if everybody remembers her. I just kind of lost touch with her, but then another girl, Tina from Tennessee, just had a baby. So we do all sort of keep tabs on one another because we really were in a unique situation together, and you do, you do bond.
1: But did any of them, after you and Andrew broke up, contact him and say, hey, I'm available? Not that I know of, but it wouldn't surprise me. I'm sure there were plenty, you know, plenty of other people, you know, doing that kind of thing. Well, I just applaud you that you took the courage to put this out there. I hope that the men will read it. And you know what I was going to say is that the tips that you have in here, they're just, they're they're very simple that we know, but we just don't practice. We just need to hear and it I again. think that they're applicable for men as well as women. So this is a book, not just for women, it's, for, it's a book for anyone who wants to love themselves more, and
0: then that'll make them better in a relationship. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, like you said, it does apply. You know, I get it for women because I'm a woman and it's coming from my perspective, but it is a message that is universal and it does apply to both men and women.
1: And, hey, it's a keyhole look into a young, beautiful, attractive, smart, savvy <laughs> woman and how she thinks and what makes her tick. So, hey, what man wouldn't want to know what makes a woman like that tick. And you Absolutely. are all of that, Jen. You are all of that. It's a real pleasure to get to meet you and I really hope that your book just soars to number one and that you have a lot of fun going on book tours and promoting the book. What does it feel like to be a writer now? It's crazy. So it's, it's
0: just the
1: author Jen Sheft. It's like, oh, I I that <laughs> I know, isn't it? It's cool, isn't it? Isn't it the best? Well, thanks for coming on Star Sal, Be the star you are. Keep in touch with us. The I'll name of the book will. is Better Single Than Sorry. It's Jen Sheft, and her name is spelled S-C-H-E-S-F-T. You all know her from The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Do you have a website um, that you wanted to I give guess. out? Is it Better, Better Single Than, than Sorry? Than yeah. BetterSingleThanSorry.com. Yes. Okay. So go to BetterSingleThanSorry.com and you can find out all the latest news. And of course, I'm sure once that you do find the guy, you'll put it on Better Single and Sorry. And you'll have some tips on, you know, what it took, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That's the next book. That's I think this could be a series, Jen. It could be a series. Well, you're delightful. Keep doing what you're doing, and there are no regrets in life. That no is regrets. Easy. No regrets. Exactly. Thank you so much. You're exactly. welcome, Jen. The book Better Single Than Sorry. You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan on Star Style B the Star You Are. We'll be back in a minute with a really great author, another interesting look into literature to me.
2: This business of show business has all.